this out. Hello and welcome to the Foundations Podcast. I'm coming to you tonight and I'm recording it this evening because all during the day I've been looking at the news broadcast, I've been looking on the internet, that type of thing, and seeing that we have so many people facing and actually that are dying in our world. And you say, well, doesn't that always happen? Well, yes, it does. But, I mean, like during this time of pandemic and and all that, we see an increasing amount of people that are passing away. And uh, you look in the news and all these great starlets that we've admired for years or stars or what have you, uh, musicians that we've, uh, comedians that we've admired for so many years and we've listened to them and they're so popular and now guess what they're dying and it's it started me thinking about this in that we all are going to die one day and this is nothing new this is not brand new news for you this is an, an alert but well, really, it is an alert because eventually we all are going to pass away. And this segment that we're doing today, I'm going to title, Who's Your Daddy? Who's Your Daddy? And with saying that, we look at the, when we begin to look at scripture, and um, I'm going to pull up John chapter 1 here, and we're going to take a look at that. And let's see here, John chapter 1, and we're reading here out of the King James Version, and the Bible says that, of course, we know the, the verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and as we go further into John here, I'm going to read down here um, different things. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. But as we go down here in verse 10, I'm going to start in verse 10 here. This is talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world did not know him knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave power, or gave he power, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
Now, there's a couple in verse 12, there's a couple of words I want to kind of bring out. The first one is to become the, the sons of God. To become sons of God. So, the Bible clearly states there in verse 12 that we have to become a child of God. Jesus was preaching at another time to the disciples and to the people around them, and he made the statement, he says, you are of your father, the devil. Now, in our day and age, we don't want to hear a lot of hellfire brimstone preaching, because that does not lift people up and appeal to their emotional state. But here's the thing, and with all these people who are dying, it really brings about the fact that when these people die, they are going to go to one place or the other. There is a heaven, there is a hell. And the thing is here is that you can't, I don't care how much knowledge you accumulate, how much learning that you have, how many doctrines or doctorates are behind you and how many people think that you're just amazingly intelligent. There is a hell. You cannot explain away and eventually, and there is a heaven, and eventually you're going to have to deal with it. Everybody dies. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, or, uh, or wants to live, or we live once, and then after that, the judgment. Now, if you're out there running away from God, you don't want to, I don't want to hear anything about that. I don't believe in God. And a lot of people say, well, I choose to believe this, or I choose not to believe that. Well, you can choose whatever you want to choose, but reality says that there is a God. The Bible says a fool has said in his heart there is no God. Because eventually you're going to have to deal with him. I'm going to have to deal with him. We're all going to face death one day or, or another. It could come anytime, anytime soon. It could come many, many years from now. But we eventually are going to have to deal with death. Now, just on a personal nature, my son just got into an accident, a car accident, and somebody rammed another car and it rolled over on top of his, and he faced, I mean, he was crunched. That whole car was crunched. They had to pull him out with the jaws of life or whatever they call that, and he was damaged. I mean, he, he was, he uh, broken sternum, I mean, ribs, I mean, uh, lymph node above his kidney, all these different things that happened to him, but we praise the Lord and we thank God that God kept him from dying. I mean, he could have died right there on that highway, right at that intersection. He could have met God or met his maker, like we always use those terminologies, but he could have faced death at that moment. These, the, the couple of stars that we saw today in the news that I was reading about who had died today. They had to face death 
within the last maybe 24, 48 hours or whenever they died. And you, you and I both are going to have to face that sometime. I said, well, that's not a popular thing to say, Steve. We want to talk about life. Well, of course we want to talk about life. But the thing is, we have to face that. And, I, and, and we're going to have to face death one day or another. Now, having said that and having said, okay, well, who's your daddy? Well, in the Bible, it is very clear. You can have, there's either one of two dads that you can have. Number one, God the Father can be your father. Number two, the devil can be your father. And you see, the thing is, number two, the devil, that you get that one by default because you have to become a son of God, according to John 1.12 there, as many as believed on his name and gave their hearts to Jesus and became uh, and accepted his grace, they became sons of God. So, Again, we've said this many times before. You, you, you don't, you don't get automatically born into the kingdom of God. This whole saying, people like to say, "Well, we're all God's children." No, I'm sorry, we are not all God's children. And there are many people out there that are they don't understand it, they don't realize it, they don't want to even think about it, but they are of their father, the devil. Their father is the devil. And here's the thing. We, we, we complain and say, well, why didn't God do this for me? Why didn't God do that for me? Yet you, have, you are not saved. You have no interest in serving God or following him. Yet you expect him to give you good things? Well, first of all, I, I kind of liken this unto my own self. I have three children. Yeah, three children. And when they were raised, my uh, my wife and I had them. Um, we took care of them. We uh, gave them a place to live. We fed them. We take to bought them clothes or whatever else they needed. And we made sure that those children were taken care of. Why? Because they were our children. And I was their father. Now, I wouldn't go about and say, well, listen, uh, okay, I, I, I expect somebody else. I expect some other man, walk uh, some guy over on the street or whatever, and expect him to provide for my children because he's not going to. And he has, I mean, he shouldn't have to because those are not his children. The same thing is here is that if you're running away from God, you don't want nothing to do with him. And you sit there and expect him to give you good things? Well, I am sorry. Um, he doesn't have to take care of you. And that's kind of a raw thing to say, but that is reality. That is truth. Now, let me turn here, and I want to I talk about a sermon that was preached many, many years ago by a man named Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, he was in the, um, it was in the 1740s, 1741 actually, and he was a preacher. He was a theologian, American theologian. He was a preacher, and he preached this one particular sermon to a congregation twice, 
actually twice. From what I understand, he he had very poor eyesight. This man could not see very well, so he literally had to, had to go up there on the on the podium or wherever he was reading the sermon from after he had written it, and he was got down close to that paper so he could read the words that were on that sermon. Well, they said that one time he preached the sermon to a congregation. It was okay, you know, no problems. But the other time, the second time that he preached it, he the, the, the there there are many accounts of what began to happen because God Almighty and the Holy Spirit began to shake that place. People began to cry out and saying, what must we do to be saved? They were afraid that at any time, that at any spot or any moment, they could slip down into hell and they would be forever eternally lost. Now, the thing is that some people say, well, that's kind of dramatic and blah, 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 you know, and, and all that. Well, here's the thing. When a revelation hits you, when you begin to understand something and you begin to swallow, you begin to realize the truth of the matter and it is a shock and it, sometimes that revelation will appeal to your fear. It'll appeal to your, 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 you know, your emotions and it can shake you to the very core. Now, Death can shake us to the core. Somebody that we love for uh, many years, our parents, maybe our loved ones, our wife, our husband, our children, if something happens to them, man, that will shake us to the core. Well, the thing here is, is that during this particular time, the individuals who were hearing this sermon began to get shaken to their core. Now, what could be so, you know, so stunning, so moving from a sermon that could cause these people to, to be in the state that they were and not be scared that at any moment they could slip into hell? Well, here it is. First of all, and I, I'm reading here, and I've, I've been reading a different uh, accounts of this particular sermon and different things. And this one person, this one thing came up with 10 considerations or 10 things that they pulled out of this sermon. The first one was that God may cast wicked men into hell at any given moment. Now, here's the thing. If you don't believe that you're deserving of hell, we all... You know, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were born, the, the, the same person that was born, you know, uh, let, let me just give you an example. When Adolf Hitler was born, I'm sure that there are a bunch of other babies in that same ward where those children were laying and being fed and being taken care of. Now, Adolf Hitler is somebody that we would consider definitely would burst the gates of hell wide open. Now, here's the thing. 
But the same... He was a baby at one time, just like you or I were a baby at one time. And here's the thing. Sin is what causes people to be evil. Sin is what brought evilness into the world. Every person is capable of being evil. How about the time that you want to raise your, your hand to your kid and backslap him across the face? How about the time that you would rather you want you felt like punching somebody or pushing somebody or bullying somebody or maybe you felt to some time that you felt like you wanted to kill them or you wanted to steal something or you wanted to you looked over and you saw some nice looking woman who was married and wanted wanted to have relations with that woman or man for that matter because it's all men women we're all guilty of this. We all have the same base sinful nature in within us. And the only thing that can redeem us, and that's very clear from Scripture, and that's very clear, is Jesus Christ can redeem you and redeem me from those base natures of evilness. But here's the thing. Until we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we remain a child of Satan a child of hell. Now, if you remind, uh, I'm going to bring you back to the book of Job, where the, the book of Job talks about that the sons of God were presenting themselves before God and all that. And Satan came up before God and he started talking to him and he said, hey, you know, and uh, God started bragging on Job. He said, hey, look at Job. He's one of my, uh, one of my elite, man. He's a good, he's a good guy. And he's, he's righteous, he's, he's following me, and he's doing good, and all that. And Satan said, ah, he said, let me do some things to him. Let me take away his wife and his family and his kids and all of his possessions and all that. And let's not see if he is not going to curse you to your face. And so God... Satan at that time was not allowed. He did not, he could not put his hands on Job at that moment. But only when God said, okay, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to take back and I'm going to allow it. Go ahead and do that. And so he tested Job. Now, he doesn't do that to everybody. God does not create evilness. God does not create pain or sickness or all. That is the creation of sin, which, eventually, which uh, came from hell and from Satan. But he stepped aside and allowed it to happen. God was the one that was holding back. Now, the text of this sermon that I'm talking about, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, talked about how God is holding back. Now, you're, you, people are evil. People are over there. They're sleeping with all sorts of people. They're killing and murdering and stealing and doing all sorts of evil to people. They're, they're abusing children and all that. What keeps them still alive? What, why are they not dead? Why doesn't God strike them dead and send them to hell? 
You ask that question. Then you're saying, well, God, God doesn't care about it. You know, you know, but no, he does care. But you see, it's only the sure pleasure of God. That's what the sermon is talking about. That is keeping sinners from sliding into hell. That means if you're a sinner or if I'm a sinner and we don't have anything to do with God and our father is the devil, nothing is stopping the devil from coming to take our souls and to let us die and to drag us to hell except God's grace. And I'm going to tell you one thing. God will always, the Bible says, God will not always strive with man. Back in the Old Testament, they had, they had what they call cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. And this is where if somebody inadvertently killed somebody, say if you guys were, um, some, that you were throwing a ball or throwing something, and you, you threw the ball and not meaning to, but accidentally hit somebody in the head, and that person died. Then there would be what they call an avenger of death. Somebody wanted to get revenge on you for killing that person. Now, there would be what they call a city of refuge where that person could go into. And as long as they're in that city of refuge, as long as they're within that protection, that avenger could not get them. But if they stepped out of that city of refuge then that avenger could take them and kill them and do what they needed to do and seek revenge on them. Now, there's many instances in the Word of God that talks about this, but the, th the fact of the matter is that if you don't want anything to do with God, God has no obligation to you. He has no obligation to save you from that driver that's driving on the other side of the road down towards you to come across that middle line and hit you head on. That's reality. God does not have an obligation to you to protect you from whatever could happen. Your house burning down. He has no protect he has no obligation. But you see, when you put you, when you accept Jesus Christ, if and when you accept Jesus Christ, you fall under that city of refuge. You fall under that protection of God because God at that point becomes your father and he has promised to protect his children. That's reality. And that's the reality that we need to understand. That if we want nothing to do with God, we, he has no obligation to us. So if you're sitting there and you're listening to this tonight, and, it, and well, Steve, you got serious. Yes, I did get serious. Who is your daddy tonight? Who is your daddy? Is your daddy God the Father who's protecting you and taking you and keeping you? Or is your father the devil who at any moment could come and snatch your soul into hell and you would stay in eternity in hell. And sir, God has no obligation to you unless you give your life to Jesus. That's why he came. He came to, and Jesus came to die so that you would have that opportunity to become a son of God and God could take care of you. Another consideration 
on this is that the wicked deserve to be cast into hell. Well, Steve, I, you know, I give to, uh, to charities and I do this and I do that. Well, again, like I will say, I will bring it all the way back to that original sin that is born inside each and every one of us. We have the ability to become a Hitler or to become a Billy Graham. You have that ability to do good or to do evil. And the thing is, is that we, that wickedness deserves hell. That's divine justice. And here's another one. The wicked at any moment suffer under God's condemnation to hell. At this moment, they suffer under God's condemnation to hell. If you do not accept Jesus, if God is not in your life, you have made your decision. You have made your decision for your final destination. Now, this may be just kind of rattling and say, Steve, you know, I thought we were going to have some good fun and some. Well, here's the thing hell is no joke. You can say that you don't believe in it to try to avoid it, but it's still there. You can say that you don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. Well, that doesn't cease him from existing because God does exist. Here's another one. It says, the wicked on earth at this very moment suffer a sample of the torments of hell. You say, well, Steve, I, oh man, oh my life, it's been a living hell. And all these things have happened to me and this has happened. Buddy, I tell you what, if you go to hell, you haven't seen nothing yet. The Bible declares that hell is a place of darkness, separation from God. Revelation talks about the burning and the fire and the pain that occur in hell for the one who suffers there. You look at those lovely children that you have, that wife that you have, that husband that you have, those people that you love. If you make your bed in hell and if you go to hell and they go to heaven, guess what? You're never going to see them again. If you both go to hell, I don't think you, some, a lot of these people are saying, well, I'm going to have a party. I'm going to have a lot of uh, company. Well, buddy, you're not going to have to worry about company because you're going to be too much in torment than to worry about if that person is there or somebody else is there. There's going to be no support system in hell. There's nobody going to be there to calm your fears. There's going to be nobody there to say, oh, it's going to be okay because it never will be okay again. Now, I normally don't go this direction, but tonight when I see so many people dying, so much death in this country and in this world at this particular moment, these people have decisions that they have to make. These people are going to end up either in heaven or in hell when they die. And you and I will end up in heaven or hell when we die. And that 
is serious business. That is something that we have to understand and we have to do something about. Now, under all of this and all this preaching that he was doing, all these different points that we're uh, looking at here in the sermon, the final one is God has never promised to save mankind from hell except for those contained in Christ through the covenant of grace. Well, what does that mean? That means that God has made a way for you and I not to go to hell. To accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and to make him Lord of our life. Once you become a son of God, he takes care of you. You don't have to worry about that. But sir, if you don't, at any moment of the day, when you go to sleep tonight, you may, you may not wake up. We're not a promise tomorrow. We are not promised the next moment. At any time, we could go out into eternity. And the fact of the matter is, if we have made our decision for God and for Jesus Christ, yeah, we're going to heaven. If we have not, we make our bed in hell. An eternity in hell. And sir, like I said before, or ma'am, or whoever, listen to me and listen very closely. You're not going to have friends to support you in hell. You're not going to have anybody to calm your fears. The, and the, the, Jesus actually gave a an example, and there was a, a man that had gone to hell, and the, he, he saw through the there was some sort of gulf where that he could see this lady. And he kept on saying, send her down that she may take a little water and cool the tip of my tongue. But she could not go because there was a separation between heaven and hell. And that's what we're talking about today. Hell is real. No matter how you can wish it away, you can try to uh, use your knowledge and think that and try to reason it away. But the fact of the matter is, it's real. And we have to deal with this in our life before our obituary is written. At how many years old this person passed away? It's going to come. In order to live a fulfilled and peaceful and free life, you need to go to the end and deal with those things that you have to deal with first to make that. And you see, the thing is, it would be better now for you to deal and to have that encounter with God and to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. And go live a great life. You know, as one person said, if this is all a bunch of fake and, you know, God's not real and all this blah, 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 blah. He says, well, I've accepted Jesus. I got that off. Uh, I, I took care of that and I lived a great life and I had kids. And everything was wonderful. But you see, the thing is, if it is true and I didn't make that decision, I've lost everything. Because eternity doesn't end. When God wrote those words, in, or when God had Moses write those words, 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, he did that for our purpose because we are a finite people that only understand beginning and end. God lives in eternity. There is no beginning. There is no end. Once we leave this earth and leave this mortal coil, we cross over into God's arena where there is no end. Will you spend the rest of that time in heaven on the new earth as we as they come in Revelation as it talks about the new heavens and new earth and, and, and serve God and live for him? Or will you serve or live for eternity in torment, separation, and fire? I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, tonight I pray, Lord, for those individuals listening to this. I pray, Lord, that they would understand that they have to make a decision. And it would be better now than later. Because if we are not under the protection and under the hand of God and his children being taken care of as God is our Father, we're of, we have the only one we have is Satan is our father and he and at any time we could die and go out into eternity lost. But Father, I pray tonight that they would understand this. They would get a hold of us and they say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. I want to be God's child. I want to be a child of God. And Father, I pray, Lord, that they would hear this, they would understand this, and they would receive this. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? <laughs> We're going to be coming back next week as we go into our basic tenets of the Christian faith. We're going to be starting to talk about going to church, how to find a church, how to get a church, what you should be looking for, uh, what you should not be looking for. All that were coming in the in the uh, in the in the weeks ahead. Now, God bless you. I pray that uh, tonight would be a minister to your spirit in some way, and and that you would make sure that God is your Father, and that's our prayer today. Thank you. God bless you, and have a great evening and a great week.